0: The last one standing, two hands in the air. I'm a champion.
1: You'll be looking up at me when it's over. I live for the battle. I'm a soldier. Yeah, I'm a fighter like Rocky. Put your flag on your back like Ali.
2: Yeah, I'm the greatest. I'm stronger. Bet my dues can't lose. i my own. Ya.
1: Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sip Kitchen Soda. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. I'm Swiss. And welcome to the set of goats special where <laughs> everything comes in big, amazing packages of one forty-seven or less is pretty much the absolutely capped range. And if you haven't been on, then you haven't been listening. And that's pretty much the theme for today. Jack Zebel, If you haven't been on, you haven't been listening. And that's pretty much exactly what this segment is going to be talking about. Chris Swizz talking about those mid prices, the yes, the no's, the maybes, the 50, 50s as to... Who you should bring in and why. And more importantly, why do you still have Tanner Bruin in your sight? <laughs> that is definitely a big uh, issue.
0: And uh, look, Flanders. there will be poor plenty Mama of. On that
1: one. Possibly oh. like the last segment, there could be plenty of movie references. However, there will be no Simpson segue because Flanders is definitely done and out, shat the bed. He can move next door and peep over the window. His Supercoach season is done. Boys, straight up and in. Before they like and follow us on Supercoach Insider, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, SC Insider one hundred, find us, like us, and annoy us. Straight into To, to a limit him. on
0: that. To a limit, because I'll get a quick one on that one, mate. And that oh. mate um because a mate of mine a mate of mine pointed out that uh, I might have had a little stalker at the footy the last few weeks and that. So um feel free to come up and talk, say hi. Don't need to be taking photos and putting it in group chats and stuff like that, and be like, "Oh, I saw Squeeze." I'm like, "Okay, come up and talk to me." That's just that's, that's a real thing sure that that's, actually happened. From, that a and from
2: your other your other escapades, winning all those. Yeah, a little it's
0: a little bit creepy. I found out like, on the weekend know. about that one. So uh, that come up and say hi at the footy. That's just it was just very weird, very weird.
2: <laughs> on her yep. on a dream if wall you... is in you know, a guy is you know winning the local community sports. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I
0: know, mate. Freaking it's out. a very narrow field. Very narrow. <laughs> I might have to move up to Queensland like you guys and escape the footy bubble.
2: There's like Mate, one of those we get celebra- nothing. are you on yeah. the celebrity Tinder or the <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Um But you you heard Swizz. If you want your ear talked off, sing out, point out, yeah. say hey and holler. Holler at your boy Swizzy. Yeah. Um the yeah, we're happy up in here in Queensland. We don't get spotted at all. I think I've yeah. been spotted twice. One was from obviously Spiller, uh Supercoach whatever, on YouTube. Um shouted out like Supercoach Insider inside i said hi in a urinal of all places which <laughs> i'll still won't, we'll never well in a preseason game we'll never forget that and the other one was obviously by a student who just started calling out super coach insider and started showing me his team and he had 102k rookies on every position on his bench Lovely. and i was like no wonder you have uh, no hope in not life but super coach um and talking right.
0: about stalking should we just get into the set of goat now
1: Oh, Chris! I'm going to lead you in, and I'm I'm going to—is this contentious? Because someone actually shouted out Swizz for the setter goat, and who started? Because I'm like, hang on, isn't Our this Patton. Chris? Isn't this Chris's yeah, boat that love we all well. kind of oh, jumped on?
0: I'll get, I'll get Ben. I'll give you the story. It's because when I was at the launch, the party, the party, and that, and I was talking up all Setterfield and that. Really, like, and I know Chris and I had that 10, 15, 20 minute preseason special on it, and and Chris was massive on him. I'll give the wife a shout out too, because she was on him as well. She was talking about him Ooh. earlier. On him or under? Yeah. Maybe even before Chris and that, like this is the guy, this is, this is the person we get in. So I say between the three of us, but yeah, Chris was <laughs> massive. Chris was definitely hot on him. Um, and a, a funny little story from the weekend. So I was about three or four rows from the interchange bench, literally blasting the bombers of um, players. Make sure you kick it. A set a goat. We want it set a goat. The wife trying to, Drag me back into my seat because I was standing up, going kick it to centre goat, and I had Carl- a Carlton supporter behind me get on get on board with it, and they were like, "Yes, kick it to centre field, the goat." So it, it is definitely
1: growing. So just to set the context, Swizz is in a Richmond jersey, I'm a in a Richmond, Richmond jacket, yes, Richmond jacket, watching Essendon because his wife goes for Essendon, standing up and pretty much telling all the Essendon players to kick it to as the as they the come goat. to the bench. Kick yes. it to the MVP. You yes. all you all suck. Kick it to your best player. And that's where the set of goat lives. And, and he um, scored
0: 147. So oh, score, score assist absolutely I lit. I have so, to sit at the Essendon bench every week now.
1: And to set the record straight, real quickly, is Grimo. The invitation came through the Supercoach Insider chat. I then said, Chris and myself probably cannot make it, although Chris does venture for work time to time, or at least that's what he tells the wife. Um, Swizz had the <laughs> number one spot, and I was super jealous. Not FOMO at all. Swizz got to like mingle and meet and get photos and all of the luxury stuff that we did not get up here in Queensland. All we got was less COVID. Um, so, <laughs> set a goat. It is Chris's brain trust. It is Chris, Chris's love child. And gloat a little for me, Chris. Okay, I wouldn't be him?
2: bringing him in, guys. He's a shit player, so just yeah. don't, don't, <laughs> don't even touch him. Can't He's mine. me. <laughs> Um, Oh, look, I I suppose this is the the thing, right? Role is king. Role is king. It always has been, always will be. He's finally at a club where he's actually playing the role that he was born to play. Um, And I just want – to real to everyone should realize i you can't see what you're wearing on your hat. Right He's
1: wearing now. the supercoach hat that we never got apparently oh. ours is in the mail
2: <laughs> Ours is in the mail actually that'd be, that'd be
1: apparently cool. well I say ours I mean mine I don't know if he sent two
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would be so upset if you get one right again he sent. Said- awesome. Al
1: said he will send merchandise See, I gave him my address. And then after, I was like, hey, that looks really sweet. Swiss was wearing it. Is it. Is it are we still getting oh, something? no. And then he said, I believe it's in be the tragic. mail. And that was like two weeks ago. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Al. So, um,
2: yeah, so role is king, guys. And we. I mean, the role is there. First week, he was the number one CBA midfielder. This week, I think he had like 76% CBAs, guys. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. And then this week, he had 90%. He was by far and away their number one CBA midfielder. And you know what it's also done? It's complementing the other mids because he's actually able to apply defensive pressure in that midfield and they don't have as much responsibility. And now they're winning. It's even better because no one's talking about their lack of defensive accountability in their midfield setup. So um, the thing that I love about it is that last week we saw what he can do as a basically spreading from stoppage and getting loose and leading up to the football and his use, which he's very. I would say a safe user of the football. He doesn't try anything too flash, not picking off Zach Merritt style kicks, knows his role, understands what he can d- bring to the team and just delivers that way.
1: Um, ben? So, Chris, last week, just to set the context, he didn't get many clearances, yeah? And was yeah. like more outside like the game. Yeah. yeah. So he'd pretty much lock, you know, go with the player, try and negate them and then sort of spread from the contest. And we did say they hey, if that ball bounces the right way or it goes into a position, he's a really good clearance player. And yeah. if he got some of those, he could definitely improve. And then next minute, Absolutely bang. And he pretty much went as big as his ownership jump because he has gone up 15.6% this round and 16.3% in total. We're the only two. We're like the, the GOAT 4%ers or less that were pretty much on him. Swizz.
0: So the reason for that is because he was either on Took or he was on Rao. So if Took yep. went off, he was going to rail And because Wits is the dominant ruckman out there, like Phillips and Draper did a fair job up against Wits, but they were um, – Essendon was still trying to plan to rove to, to Wits' hit-outs because he was obviously going to, um, you know, unless Draper was taking massive run-outs in the centre-bounce, he was going to win the tap. So you got Wits winning the tap down, and then Sederfield's, like, he's trying to hit the ball to Miller. Sederfield's standing right there. So he was naturally going to get into the play a lot more. So, um like, this week, again, it'll be the same situation. Now, they won't have Jack Steele out there, Um, So it'd be interesting to see who he lines up to because he's playing up against the best um, opposition midfielder. But Marshall absolutely dominated Draper in the preseason and I'd expect Marshall to do the same thing again this week. So if Setterfield just roves the Marshall's taps, he's going to... And I think that's what they're trying to do. Like maybe Merritt or Parrish, one of those two, looks for Draper, but Setterfield's there for the opposition hit out. And yeah, he's big enough body to actually win that.
2: Yeah, I mean just an overall game he does he can produce in every single facet um there was i think a very early contest where he was on Took i think he lined up really really quick and Took got the ball from a, a hit out to advantage and he was on his hammer so much and then just locked him up now Took just tried to muscle out that tackle but yeah. Cederville just put the vice grips on him and just went no 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 and then got the free kick for on the ball holding the ball, for holding the ball. But he actually had for on the game uh, on the, on the day nine tackles it so you know last week I think he didn't have any tackles did he or or he had a very low no no he had three tackles yeah um, so just applying a tackle pressure he had five clearances this week but this week he didn't have as much of the marks from the spread but he got a lot of uncontested disposals um, he's uh, he had 11 inside 50s um, which is just like ridiculous, because what, what, what was happening is he was the one that was spreading from the contest and the Gold Coast mids just weren't tracking him because they were too worried about the other guys. So they're worried about Parrish, they're worried about Mirrors, they're worried about Shield. And Setterfield's out. He's three, four metres from the contest as soon as they've won the ball and he's getting a handball receiver over the top to deliver inside 50. It was just crazy. Like he's not going to get any respect in that midfield and he could potentially be the one that changes their dynamic and makes everybody else better. Um, now, I'm not expecting, you know, a 110, 115, 120 average or something stupid like that, but is it realistic to say that he can say average 100 to 105? Like I think I even said that on an earlier podcast I, and you guys laughed at me. So I think you need to just <laughs> – no, I think other,
1: other people I think definitely laughed. I, uh, I did say he has gone on runs of where he's averaged around 100 yeah, for I a string nine, of sort of eight, eight
0: games. 99, 13-game average.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy with that. But um, look, at the end of the day, with the amount of trades and the boost that we have, it looks like 16% have now the ability to jump on. He, he's um, the number one. We have guy. a slight, yeah, we just have a slight benefit of it. He is literally the number one mid processor as you say, to bring in. The other thing to note as well is that they do play coming up St. Kilda there with, without Steel, I don't even know who he's lining up on. Now, Parish Merritt, if you have one of these guys in your team, I'd be V-seeing the absolute crap out of this if I could. Because what is it? Clark, Gresham, like who who is actually Sinclair, taking the... Sinclair might go in yeah. there. The, the the main one that I'm thinking of would be um you know Windhager. As far as you know, he was sub, and now he should actually be a contested ball. Like go and actually win the ball rather than mm-hmm. rather than tag. So he's Unless an interesting they option.
0: Still tag merit, which is a yeah. High but then who's going to win
1: the ball then? If you have like Windhager come in, yeah. who I think well is that's capable. why I thought
0: maybe it's Sinclair goes in and go maybe you try to win the ball for us, uh, but. Taking Jack Steele out of that side, like Saint Kilda got a massive week this week. It's their one hundred fiftieth, like anniversary game or something like that. But the MCG bigger ground, I, I think the Bombers do a number on them. Like that yeah, midfield, based, based Mar- Marshall, I... Marshall's going to have the game of his life. Marshall uh, is a, a sneaky VC here because he has to have the game of his life for the Saints to be competitive this week. Saint Kilda have no forward line, and now we and we talked about last week with the Bulldogs having no back line, or their back lines are just a shambles. So the Saints forwards could get away with it. But you're actually up against a decent back line this week. Bombers actually have a really good midfield. Like Dylan Shields running around doing whatever he wants. And that's the advantage of bringing in center field because it's freed up another guy like that. I, I think the Saints absolutely get destroyed this week.
2: Um, well, yeah, and just to support what we said earlier in in that uh, he actually got 13 of his 28 disposals contested this week. Mm. Big flip on last week where he only had three. But that, so that and that's is, because
0: at, the way the suns play yeah so he and, can actually change his game depending on the opposition
2: and at 78.6% disposal efficiency like that's massive for that amount of contested possessions usually you find inside midfields like that yeah you know, you know, they got at 67 68% um, disposal efficiency so it's it's a lot better um i just want to say though i will say this and i'll probably um move on to our next next person and uh, segue here. The only reason why I wouldn't rank him as the number one guy that I think you have is because there is a chance that he's not a keeper at the end of the day and he's just really <coughs> a moneymaker. So if he goes 100 to 105, is he still worth it at M8? Maybe not. He's definitely sort of an M9 candidate or someone you can have on if you've got an injury or something like that. I don't know yet. I don't have enough information to say whether or not he's going to be a keeper. Whereas the other guy, Jack Zebel, is probably going to be a keeper. I thought he was at, going to mention the Dacos
0: 40. for the fifth time in this podcast. Uh,
2: oh, he's definitely a keeper.
0: <laughs> but he's not a, he's not a bit pricey. <laughs> yeah, I agree
2: with you. But um, I just thought you were going to bring him up again. Jack Zebel's obviously going to be a keeper, I think. I, I, and I, he's outperformed even what I obviously said in the preseason. I, I don't think that – I mean, obviously, we're two rounds in. I said that I think he probably averaged somewhere between you know 95 to 105, but more probably 95 to 100. Um, I think one hundred to one hundred and five is is realistic, but based on what I am seeing right now, um, he's going to have his big games. He's taken over the kickouts. It doesn't look like with the arrival of Sheezel, doesn't look like Hall's going to come back into that team at all. I would be shocked if they change their setup after these two wins because of we just want to get Hall in the team. That's that's to me does not make any sense when you have got a kid like Sheezel that's actually d- completely dominating in that position um so yeah i think that the status quo continues as a forward he's an f6 keeper now he could potentially even if he goes 100 he's a defender keeper like there's i think um what Saad last year was the sixth highest averaging guy at 103 so you could definitely get away with uh, you know, just putting zebo back there at f6 or at worst case he's f7 d7 uh, d7 right ben yeah,
1: I was just gonna say worst case, you go during the year if you're looking at cover, like you've got someone at three hundred and fifty thousand, which or well, three fifty six so that's extremely cheap and now if he's you get to the buys and if he's not performing, then yeah you flip him then and you probably be five hundred thousand, you can then get another player at worst case scenario at best, he's a a keeper and even in that in between section where that d seven and f seven sort of range, you've got cover for three hundred and fifty thousand investment. And it pretty much can cover you every single line except for the ruck, assuming that you don't have a forward ruck. Otherwise, you go, how oh, I've got a forward ruck. Oh, uh, my ruck's out. That forward ruck goes into my ruck line, and now I put Zeebel on field. Or I've got a forward out, and then Zeebel goes, oh, for your, well, you're you know, in the forward line, not defense. If there's a defender out, you go, oh, wonderful. You go back into defense and cover. And then if there's a, full, a midfielder out, you go, wonderful. Zeebel in the forward line, and then one of my forward mid rucks, which there's a lot of them, like Dunkley, you go in the midfield for a week. It literally covers you on every single line. And I think it's highly, highly, highly underrated.
2: Um, the other thing that is probably not spoken about much is that we're going to have two of them. We're going to have Sheasel as a forward defender and Zebul both in our forward lines right now and both able to be switched. So you switch one of them back, bang, you've got switchability across both lines for the rest of the season, which is fantastic. Um, now, we all started Zebul, is that correct? So again, I think 3.5% of that. Again, I don't think I scream it loud enough, guys. Or something's wrong. Something maybe, is this mic on? Like, <laughs> um. So I'm not sure why. Is, the only reason why I've I've sort of gone with okay, people didn't want Zebel to work is because they were running the yeah the four premium forwards and probably you know Philippou and Shezal or, or some combination of or, or, or something and Bruin
1: the slightly cheaper option. Right.
2: Yep. So Landers. So there are there were other options that but you know he was the only one with previous history in the role that we could say, okay, well we know what that looks like and, and compare that to a historical data, um, which was just weird for me to see and and no one else pick up. But um, that's why I think he's the number one priority. I also want to talk about structure just quickly because I think both of these guys, I think personally are must haves. However, structure probably dictates where you can go and, and how. Um, you know, what are you trading out and then into to be able to achieve this? If it's another failed mid-pricer, fantastic. If you've got Fife, if you've got Brun, if you've got Flanders, and you can flip them to 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 Zeeble or to Setters or both, that is the best case scenario by far. If you've got, you know, one failed premium that you can sort of split over two guys, um, something like a McRae or something like that. Um, yeah, that's something that's interesting as well. Uh, Swizz. We probably should link... Jacob Hopper into this chat because
0: the rumor is about him potentially missing one or two. A lot of people are now going, he might be the obvious one for price reasons to get him to set a field or Zeeble. What are your thoughts on a guy that's just come out and scored? What was it 119? Looked fantastic in that Richmond midfield. However, could be a possible, you know, two week injury concern.
2: Are you asking me or Ben?
0: I'm asking, i start with you there, Chris. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start with what I start led the pot off with. Roll is king. The reason why I didn't trade Hopper after me saying that I hated what he looked like and blah blah, blah is because the roll is there regardless. So we're not chasing points; we're chasing roll. I don't see the point in trading out a guy that has the roll to and potential to score and previous scoring history to be able to do it, and then just coming off a of one nineteen where he proves he could do it. Makes no sense to me at all. Um, we've got an opportunity also, to, even if he does, he's, he's listed as a test right now, so it, it yeah, unlikely say, though. Unlike, unlikely it, test. Which
1: I
0: fine. think it's more unlikely than likely.
2: I think that, but that sort of says to me he's probably just a one weaker. Um, but you do also have an opportunity to uh, throw the emergency on Baker. Now, I'm not expecting big things, but we can get a pre season Baker out of that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're definitely not trading him, right? Because you can loop him on field. But you've got an opportunity to have a look at it before you make your decision. I just think that you might be trading into a a great player in center field, but trading out of a player that half the competition already owns. And I don't know if you want to antipod against Hopper. Like That's the the other thing that I was thinking about when I was trading him out. If I trade him out here and he goes big, I'm losing on... Most of the pro competition and half of the casual competition, like you're really, really behind the eight ball. So for me, I don't like that idea, but I understand why. I just yeah. You're also not really. I mean, I think a lot of people are finding different avenues to it. So you're not gaining on the guys that already have him. You're not. There's other ways to try and facilitate it. Ben,
1: I'm I'm considering it, and of
2: course that. That's why I went to you first, Chris.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, and, and, and the, the <laughs> reason
1: the reason the reason is is more because on what I could possibly do with it, because I've got a little bit of banked cash, so it's more about what I could possibly do with it to improve my side and hope that it's more than a one weaker. So it'd be more of a flipping the dice. And I understand the value on why you could stay and um. But then if his knee's sore, is he really going to be spreading from contests or is he just going to be trying to go for like CBAs and contested wins to get the ball out without actually doing much with it? Because anytime you get sort of knee soreness and knee twisting, is that going to impact his power and spread? Is it going to impact the way that they see him and use him? Is it going to impact his role to the point where he'll just be a pure CBA, try and extract that clearance by hand to get it to the outside, win it and get it out, rather than him actually trying to power through and kick and, and use it that way? So I'm considering it more for the fact that I've got banked cash from Cunnington to Filippo, and then going say a um, going a hopper to a Dacos, and then a Callahan to a Warple. More for you know, I, trying to look I, at other
2: avenues. Can I um, uh, read, read, retake my steps here? or track no, track back. What? How do you <laughs> say this properly? Yeah, that's
0: retrace your steps. Yeah, backtrack or backtrack. Retrace or your backtrack
2: steps. Yeah, let uh, walk back my comments is what I was. Like. If you can get it to Dacos, I don't care what you do. <laughs> oh. yeah. I was actually, Hopper's you know I was get him, get him of my team. that's
0: right. That's the thing. If it's Hopper to Dacos, it's more. Yeah, yeah. It well, seems cause it's better. because that's one hundred and seventy
1: thousand, but... still a hundred in the bank, and then I could go. Okay, well now I've got money to go Callahan to Warple. Still, then also bank money enough to go from Jones to then Bose next week. Is pretty much the, the train on what I was thinking. On the only reason I'd get rid of Hopper is because I have bank. Yep. If you don't have bank, I don't really like sideways as much. And if you have McKenzie at M- M9, then you sure as hell shouldn't trade because you've already got a really good rookie sitting there in the wings looking for an opportunity, which I think is probably you Swiss. With the, you don't have to put um, Ashcroft on the bench this week. You can just play him if Hopper is out and then you're kind of happy.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for me, it's, it, doesn't make as much sense. I, I played around with it just to see what it looked like, but yeah, what about that, your team? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then follow up on the hopper question: If you don't have him coming off that one nineteen, and he let's like, yeah, and he does get picked either this week or if he misses and it's next week, do you look at bringing him in?
2: Four to three percent have him. So obviously, not many would be in that position that they could bring him in.
0: But anyway. compared to some of the other percentages, um, there's still probably a little bit of growth. There's there'd be some out there that didn't start him. They've no, gone the I antipod.
2: Think, I mean, you'd have to who you're trading. Yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah it's to a tough to one, it.
0: ain't it? Because no, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm probably saying you'd no.
2: have to have you'd already yeah. have to have Cederfield, Zeeble, yeah, uh, warpole and then I'd consider it. Dave Your team if, would have to be
1: that bad. Yeah. Your team would have to be that bad to then have someone to trade to him in a couple of weeks' time. And I mean,
2: if you're, gonna, if you're at that be, point. maybe Callahan. Maybe I mean maybe you know you've, uh, you've already got to him. if you've already got Walpole, if you've already got Settlesfield, you got you got Callahan, you go Callahan up.
0: That yeah. could be the one if Hopper was to miss this week and Callahan's like doesn't go well again this week. Let's just say you hold Callahan. He makes thirty k, twenty five k, whatever. But doesn't have a great score. So that means he's 100 from the round ones coming out of his cycle. Yeah. It might be the following week you'd be going, well, oh, hang on. Callahan to Hopper now is only 60K. And that and might be the move.
2: Yes, so that's actually true. So with a projected score of 63 for Callahan this week. And if you got a 63, you'd be like, I'm trading him, right? Like that's exactly. not enough. Like you're expecting more. Can we um, do Callahan some do justice?
1: 2K? and say, you know, Finn Callahan, GWS, $244,000 midfielder. <laughs> Let's give him – can we give the guy some justice and some props, please, guys? Like sure. This guy is a really talented player and he is. absolutely uh, shat the bed through no fault of his own, copped a massive knock to his shoulder. I'm hoping that shoulder's okay, and I don't trust GWS to throw the length of the Flemington straight, to be fair. Is that a real thing, Swizz? Did I get that right? Yeah,
2: is there well, such thing a as a Flemington, Flemington Strait? Strait? That's what we yeah, said down here. Yeah. Right, there we go. See, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Did
0: you
2: just Thank
1: say, you.
0: is there such thing as a Flemington Strait? No, it's in the,
2: yeah, i just making sure but... I'm not from Victoria. <laughs> we do. No, I'm we just don't. making sure. Where do you Melbourne think Cup, the Melbourne pretty, Cups race mate?
0: Melbourne Cups are a pretty big deal
2: down here. So, yeah. <laughs> we just do.
1: making sure. Just making, hold your horses,
2: right? <laughs> I mean, I just know I grew horses. up in Melbourne, but I would have thought that would have been a national knowledge.
0: It's international, but not for that part of Queensland.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I didn't want to offend a few people. Okay, offended sometimes...
0: the entire state of
2: Victoria. But we're good, Benny. We're good.
1: Hey, sometimes good. life can be trough, okay? Sometimes it can be.
2: Oh, he comes back with a pun. Oh, right? no. I already
1: said hold your horses and no one picked it up at all. <laughs> um, I'm looking for a Quinella and somehow I ended up with this trifecta. So <laughs> <laughs> He keeps
2: going. Horse jokes. Horse hey, um...
1: jokes. Um, anyway. Finn uh, Finn Cullihan now, he did cop a massive knock to his shoulder and was pretty much useless after that point. Uh, The way I kind of related, it was almost steel-esque in that he dragged, it was kind of like carrying his shoulder for a little bit. Luckily though, he pulled out a fourth quarter performance that actually saw him scrape through with a semi-decent score of a 45. And I think the game was kind of cooked and done where they were losing and he couldn't really get much more points off it but he was looking in like a bleak and miserable 25 to 30 for quite a while of the game. Either of you boys catch any um, observations from that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I watched the game. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I copped that knock real early, really set him back, really then started to sort of not – he would tackle if he had to, but he wasn't going aggressive at the ball. Um, he, obviously, he was grimacing on the bench, must have got a jab, absolutely. Um yeah, I'm not interested. I have to say it's uh I'm like I was so keen to try and get him into my team last week because I was like, Oh look, he's gonna play inside minutes. And against I,
1: West Coast. <laughs> I don't think
2: we got a real representation of what he had they had planned for him because that knock came so early. So he only played eighteen percent CBAs on the day. Um, and they probably were like, Well, he's not gonna be much use to us inside anyway. So they, they reduced he may have been, you know. Listed to play forty to fifty percent. We don't, we don't know. um But yeah, we're super disappointed with, with yeah the output. And it, it was good for me because I don't, as a non-owner, I could look at that and be like, okay, I just I can avoid safely now and not have to worry about it. Because um, he's one that can super damage you if he's going to be um, a healthy, healthy body on the field.
1: Yeah, and now there's definitely a little bit of money to be made. So if you do have many plays and you don't have the biggest issues in the world you could definitely sit and wait a week or two because he'll make you a little bit of cash and then you could probably move him next week to Bose or reassess week to week to kind of get him out um some people brought him in early and if you did then you definitely stuck with him now if you're someone like me that started with him and i think there was a fair few that did then i'm not as opposed to kind of trying to move him on like say a warpool who you think well at least you know the role he's getting maybe the 50 you know cbas kind of fluctuate here and there but he's still getting you like you know 90 to 100 then I could see the little bit of value in that. But if you trade him in this week, just gone, then I think you kind of have to ride that out for a lot longer than those that started him. Swiz, you had your hand
0: Oh, I was just ready. agreeing that I started him, and that's the one I'm thinking Callahan goes down for me, potentially to Chandler, so I can get Dacos in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Dacos is a real issue, which we will definitely get into in yeah. the premium and the so, Ridleys and the LDU. So no, it's trap.
0: like, yeah, that's my whole thing. It's like, how do I get the cash for him? it's coming from Finn. And like, I know everyone's messaged me about Finn because I'm, I was huge on him. I did even with the foot injury and that I was still willing to pick him, but yeah, I, I didn't see it. I was actually watching. So I was watching cricket. Instead of footy, so I didn't actually see the injury, I just saw what you're saying in the group chat. I was like, Oh, well, busy winning
2: another award, you- Ben. Apparently,
0: <laughs> no, I, I gotta say, uh,
1: I was, he's going for cricket commentator
0: I was watching of the Austria year. versus Malter in cricket over at GWS West Coast, <laughs> so that's where my priorities were. Wow. But was, to be fair, especially, to be especially fair, when, when I 50-50. heard Finn went down, I was just like, Oh, well, no, nothing to watch in this game. And Cogs but, is 51
2: point first quarter, you're like, Yeah, I that, that was
0: just tearing me a new one, and then he didn't score <laughs> after that, so. That's good. He did so a Davy. It's a shame because Finn's, Finn Cullen's an awesome kid. And I think, yeah, he's definitely going to bounce back and have some good scores throughout the year. And it's the sort of guy that will at some point get to 400K throughout the season. But it's going to be a slow burn now.
1: Oh, I think it definitely could. With that lower score in his cycle and that shoulder knock, I'm definitely concerned about that stalling. And we already yeah. know wings, depending on which way they go, as yeah. to where the points are there. Chris?
2: Uh, yeah. And look, uh, as you know, you know me, Ben. Yeah, Third time's a charm. <laughs> but... Uh, roller's king. Um, the part of the reason why I didn't go Callahan is the role, and he's, as a pure winger, he's going to be, you know, fluctuating those highs and low scores. This week was a low score, but partially because of not even that; it was it was actually uh, uh because of his injury. So when he does, if he was fit, you still would expect him to go up and uh, go down, and that roller coaster ride might be too much. Now, the, the, what was saving him was his price, so. Now that he doesn't have that, you know, super cash making ability with that low score, that's now in his cycle. Is he worth jumping into? For me, it's a big no, and I would also be looking to trade him out to one of the other bigger mid prices.
1: Yeah, and even that with that fluctuation, yes, he had a really good first round, but that shoulder knock is definitely a concern with that very um, variability of the scoring. And if you have, say, a Filippo on your bench anyway, well, then you maybe just risk those, you know, sixty to eighties over there and loophole a player or two to try and maybe access that instead of spending $244,000 on your bench, uh, sorry, in your midfield and um, not having it perform is pretty much that one there. Now, we do need to get into the Warple one, which is probably the one I'm going to go into next because he is 19% owned, only jumping up around 1.5% this week, which I find very fascinating. And I attribute that mainly to people jumping on your Dacos, your LDU, your Chandlers, trying to go get set goat and your Zeebles. There's so much out there. And Chris and I have spoken off the air where I almost feel – Compelled to go Warple because I've already got Setagoat Zebul and these other players people are chasing outside of Dakos. Um, so Warple, very interesting. Now he is projected so a negative break even of so negative minus oh sorry negative twenty one negative minus. Uh, <laughs> if he goes seventy three, he's going to make forty two thousand. If he pretty much, I think Bryce was saying, if he goes and chips away around that sort of ninety odd mark, anyway, he will make a hundred thousand in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be an interesting one for me playing North Melbourne this week. I think it's an absolute bunny. Now Geelong outside of Dangerfield et cetera, maybe Duncan, if he comes back in, I don't think he's playing mid anyway, but Geelong, you know, have a lot of points, I think to be exposed in that midfield. And then the giants I think can be tidy, but they're not sinking as well. So for me, I don't mind Warpool, Chris.
2: Yeah. Um, the, the goal really is to get him to that Adelaide game in round six um, and then round seven, you trade him out. When he plays Western Bulldogs, because we know how much they love to suck up the midpoints, um, so that's the that's where you trade him out, or, or potentially and at the depending on his break even, you trade him out after that game.
1: Um, and what
2: comes after round six, Chris? Uh, the Dogs. What? No. Dual position. Oh. oh DPP.
1: DPP yeah. Flippy Dippy. Get him out of your side for a primo DPP.
2: Yeah. Well, which so there's. Did you have a look at the DPPs by the way? So there's the DPP tracker where they track. Where we're, we're basically looking, it doesn't look like anyone right now is tracking towards being a favourable option for a top six forward or defender or whatever if they gain that position. So it's kind of like they're non-existent this year compared to last year. Especially in the main factor was Max Gorn's injury. So Brody Grundy's now not going to get it because he's obviously a number one ruck. Max Gorn's not going to get it because he's not going to be playing in the next four weeks, and he may not even get it. Um, the one after the one Might after not have played enough. You know, Play a games. certain amount of games. Yeah. so so yeah, it's 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 basically said like, okay, let's throw that theory out the window in terms of, uh, what are your top six forwards? Let's 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 hold back from putting them into your side because we don't know what DPPs are. It's now no, if you get Cogs, get Golden, get Darcy Cameron because these guys are probably going to be top six. So yeah, it's a different way of looking at things now and a different strategy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, back to Walpole. Um, so, I'm looking at getting him in 100% and exactly the reason you said is that because he's not the one that people are looking to get in and I already have the other guys. So, I kind of feel compelled to move into Walpole to have that point of difference against guys that are trying to get my point of difference. So, now I actually have something at least I've got I've got all, I've got, you know, Hopper, Walpole and, and Setterfield and Jack Siebel. So, my... Pods that I've got all four, whereas they might only have three of that mix or whatever it may be, um, and I don't have a. I'm not playing constable on field and defence. So that's what I'm looking at doing in my squad to try and get a one up in that in, and react to how everybody else is reacting.
1: Um, yep. And that comes down to a little bit of strategy because we spoke about like when you're going in draft, you don't want to be trying to, if you're eighth pick, you don't want to get the eighth best midfielder, No, you know, or every round and you're just reactionary and you go, you know, you're trying to go, okay, well, they've all gone here. So let me go there and then let them chase you. So when we start with people that everyone is now trying to get in, sure, we could just sort of sit on our hands and go, oh, well, we have a nice little one or two trade buffer, which is okay. But those trades might not really net you any points I and mean, it yep. might not serve you that well because you might just upgrade to someone and then have to use it anyway. So it's about going, okay, well, if they're going to me, where can I go to where they can't be in that they wish they could. And if they had more trades, then they might actually wish that they could go a wall or They could go someone else. And then you go, okay, well, maybe i just go there. And that's the compelling pull that we feel to that argument.
2: Yeah. Um, and he's also, I mean, you got to remember, he's also the one that's probably going to make the most cash because of his price. So. I also like to say, okay, if you look at Walpole, and let's say he averages 90, he actually gets to like 450. To, he can even get up all the way up to 470 if you hold him long enough. Um, so he's going to make 150K. Like, is are, are, do you have rookies on your team that are going to do that? So like a lot of the rookies that we're looking at, let's say Baker, for example, or let's say Long, or let's say Philippou, or let's say... Uh, Davey, etc. All these guys, they're not making 150 k men. I don't think there's any chance of that. Where are your cash generation from? I'm not looking for, for Warple to be a keeper, obviously. I don't think he's going to average that. But, first of all, he's going to give me a lot more points than those guys. And second of all, he's going to make more money than them. So, if you can facilitate a way to get him where you've already got the other guys, I would recommend highly getting a Warpole. Uh, but I understand that there are other priorities. So, I'm not saying that he's a huge priority for everyone. But definitely he's in the he's in the mix. And I think it probably at the end of the podcast, maybe we just go through and rank where we see them as must-haves in order, and then we go from there. Um but yeah, definitely Swiss. one to look at.
0: I wasn't as big on Warpole because I'm thinking Hawthorne we're only gonna average about fourteen, fifty, fifteen hundred super coach points each week, and we know Sicily's gonna take at least a hundred of them, um, just because I think they're gonna to get towed most weeks. Um, so that's the worry there, and maybe the bit of the old flipping of the CBAs. However, if I, I just worked it out, if I bypass Chandler, I can actually get Warple, and that. So it's <laughs> he actually does look good in my side. But I am, I am. There are some reservations there just because of the amount of points I think Hawthorne are going to score. But can he still at least go ninety? Yeah, I think that uh, with the roll, and as you said, roll is king, and it's very much that hopper situation. I just think. Behind, he's not, scoring-wise, nowhere near center field, and he's not as good as Hopper. But can he still go 90 to 95 over a period of enough good games like North Melbourne and Adelaide in those games? Yes, I think he can. And, yeah, can he get me up to 450 quickly? And and this is the debate right now I'm having going, would I prefer Chandler or Warple? Warple's going to get me Chandler's going to be at F7 or F8, so he's not actually scoring points on field. Yes, he could probably score average me, uh, he could potentially make 150K, 200K, if he was to keep playing. But Warple could potentially do that and score 90s on field for me. So I think for me there, it does make me sway a little bit more towards Warple. It And I agree, if you've it is a bit of an advantage that other people aren't going to have just because of his low ownership. So yeah, if he was to play those big minutes this week against North Melbourne and come out and score 110, 120, you've put some gap against um, a lot of the other top-ranked players.
1: Here's the other benefit about Hawks being so bad this year. There's a lot of CBAs. Like goal after goal after -hmm. goal after goal. Then it's like wonderful. Then there's more opportunities for him to go and actually get a clearance and get a contested ball, and it's not just stuck in this rebound, kick-chase, kick-chase kind of scenario where you know it's going back in the middle. All you need is for him to get a clearance and just boot it long into the forward line and just hope Green or some other players just bring it to ground, and that's instant points.
2: I will yep. say as well that just based on the way he's playing, guys, is that he's he's changed the way he plays. Um, So he's no longer the turnover. Well, don't get me wrong, he's not a great kick. He's not a great user, but he knows how to find the pill. What he's changed is he's stopped trying to be precise. He's stopped trying to do short kicks. He just plays to his strengths, similar to how Setterfield is. with he, He's going the safe route with his – his kicks I think that some of that comes back to the fact that Hawks um, another year under Mitchell so that you know they've, they're have developing their game plan understanding what what Mitchell wants them to do becoming more predictable so his kicks are going to a spot that is predictable for them to create a contest as opposed to creating a turnover or whatever it may be um, and he's, he's just using a ball a little bit better which is just making that instead of being a huge negative DT to SC ratio, it's actually leveling out a little bit better, which is a, a, a fantastic thing for him. Um, I was skeptical; I didn't want to get in him after the first week because of the fact that they were playing Sydney. And then when I looked at it, he's one of the only ones in there that can win a ball out of the contest anyway. So why was I scared of him playing Sydney when they're yeah you know, they're a contested team? So yes, I think obviously North he probably scores better than he does against Geelong. But I'm not so worried about Geelong that he's going to get a 50 or a 60. I think that he's going to be in there contesting the ball too. So, um, yeah, not a bad pick. I, I, I like it. I, he's, the, he's the one I'm definitely looking at. And, um, yeah, do recommend him. I suppose the, the probably the last one, there's probably two more, but Rochelle, I've been asked about Rochelle heaps. Um, I hate set the there nice se- There's a nice
1: segue because you're just talking bad picks. And then I was like, Why <laughs> if let's, let's talk Rochelle, Rampy, Cox. Let's just get into all of the absolute horrible picks. Well, Yeah, Rochelle. Uh,
2: look, don't get me wrong. He plays, he doesn't play a tradition. He's not a traditional midfielder. He's getting some CBAs, yes. But he's more playing that sort of half forward that goes up around the contest and then floats into the forward line as opposed to the midfielder. But again, role is king. That's going to mean he's going to go and fluctuate with his scores. And that's just what we've seen. So last week, I think he scored three goals for. It. I hate looking at stats when you know, uh, a mid forward type kicks three goals, has a big spike score, and then everyone goes, Oh, have you, you know, what about, you know, trading in Rochelle? No, nah, I'm not interested. Sorry, mate. That's not the role that I'm trying to. I'm not, that's point chasing. That's what that is. If you're jumping on that, you, you're point chasing. Uh, and unfortunately, the guys that did, so how many people jumped on last week? Two point, 2.8% of people jumped on, and he's only 4.1% owned. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And this week he came out and gave you a 70. Um, so, yeah, just not really worth it in my opinion. Um, I don't think there's too much to add from that, guys. Do you guys see anything different from that other than?
0: No, not nope. really. Like I think the addition to Rankin playing that small forward pocket for um for Adelaide, just about the Rochelle thing, does allow Rochelle get up the – ball up the ground more and get involved in that midfield, and he looks a bit damaging. So I, I don't mind his role, and I think he's definitely got You know, always at the end of the year, we look back and see guys who have proved 20 points, or you know, on that, that previous average. And I think he's probably that one of those guys that's probably going to go 20, 25 points on last year's average. But is he going to be a keeper? Is he going to make enough cash compared to some of the other players? No. Rampy, we, we talked about that exactly last week. You can't be jumping on these um, players um, who have one big week and, and that's why we say have a look at the two weeks of data uh, and you're always going to get that round one there's always going to be one or two players that go massive because it's the way points are you know distributed uh, you know distributed, distributed. Over, over um you know over a team depending on you know roles and and stuff like that where the one that I'm getting asked a lot more is Brennan Cox because now he's had the three scores over 130 and that Fremantle game style of chipping the ball around and boring football. And he now he did have his score boosted because he did kick a late goal, which was, you nearly got them over the line. But he was still going to be tracking for over 100 anyway. So there is potential there. He could average around the 100 mark because I always find there's a Fremantle defender. We've seen Luke Ryan for ages. We've seen Hayden Young you know moving up the charts and, and I know Chris and I had that long chat earlier in the year about you know those freeo defenders most of them go around 90 anyway because that's how they play the game and that and it's always been a boring style so he's one if you're looking for not just only quick cash but somebody but who can who can score points might be worth a little bit more of a risk however they do have such a soft draw Fremantle We don't expect the ball to be down there as much over the next few weeks. So, again, I would love to see another week from him, but he's going to go up 60K and and it makes it useless. So is he going to be top six? No. So I think you end up going, you pass because there's other
2: options. Chris? Uh, Ben, do you want to go first? Oh, I was just going to
1: ask you, Chris, if you are hard on him or if you've gone limp like me. Um, (laughs) Now, I understand why people might because they're they're, they're point chasing and the rest of it. He needs a one-hour weight to get you 60K, and, yeah, it's possible, but there's definitely a high risk in that reward. Um, We already spoke last week in round one. There was so much points in that Fremantle back line during that game. And I think this one was the one where the ball probably fell to him a little bit more than some of the others because we saw Young absolutely drop off a cliff and a few other changes in that capacity. So I know they play different roles, but you the points in Fremantle are generated a little bit differently. And Fremantle's also gotten flogged the last couple of weeks. So the mids haven't done as well. The forwards definitely haven't. The ball's been in defense because they've been getting absolutely tailed. And I'm not sure that's going to continue. Chris?
2: Yeah. so. It's a lot no of money. Way. I'm going to be honest and say absolutely no chance of me touching it. Now,
1: 50K go to Daycos. So,
2: Sold. first of all, there's that. Um, in order for him to be a moneymaker, the maximum he could really make is about 100 grand. And if he's doing that, his projected scores need to go 108, 100, 115, 104, 91 over the next uh, five rounds. If he does that, then he makes 100 grand. Are you then trading him out? Because he's probably averaging you, what, 105, 106. You're not trading him. There's, I don't think there's any way of doing that. Now, the side part of that is Brio have just lost two games in a row with this shitty style of football that they're playing. There is no chance that Longmuir is is still... Is it Longmuir? Longmire? You're
0: yeah, uh, no, 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 no. Longmuir. Just on Longmuir.
2: If... If they don't if they don't start winning so they've got they've got the Derby this week all of a sudden people are going to ask for his head if he loses this week I guarantee you if Brio do not beat West Coast this week people are going to be asking for his head how long can he lose with this game plan and then the, no, there's no response from the players or change like I, there's
1: and if you're at West Coast, how much are you wanting to beat Fremantle this week more than any? <laughs> you're like, oh, we've got one win, and I'd be going out there and trying my absolute hardest to make their life well, hell.
2: The, the way that they play their football, what, um, chip it around and then long into the forward line, when you've got two of the best intercepting markers probably in the last 10 years on your list in Barras and McGovern, they're not winning if they play that style. <laughs> I'm t- I'll, I'll put that on record right now. If they mm. do not change the way they move their ball, they're not winning the game. Yep. They play the same way. They have the last two weeks. They're not winning. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, you'd have to say that the team meetings this week are about how to move the ball, how to. And you know what I I found absolutely hilarious in a post match press conference, Longmire came out and and it's a a, a uh, journalist actually asked him like, you know, um, you seem to be chipping the ball around a lot and can, can tr- a lot of like control behind the uh, football. Uh, what do you think you should do with that? And, um, and he ended up saying, oh, you know, like it's, it's, it's 50-50. Like, uh, yeah, we do want to control the ball. It is how we want to play, but we do also need to attack when we need to. So that, this is his game plan that they just don't know the, the game sense of when to attack. They're just not executing that. But what he doesn't realize is that AFL is changed. That Like scoring is completely different. His way, this, this coaching philosophy of chipping the ball around is done. Half the teams in the competition score from, faster from transition. And they will put scores on. They they just don't care about you controlling the ball for half an hour. So he's going to lose. Like I'm. This is terrible coaching, and just like a classic example of just sticking to your guns because that's all you know. Like, no, it's unbelievably bad. And just as just a reference, he was the defensive coach at Collingwood when they couldn't score.
0: Mm. Yeah, 100%. now that
2: we have Lepic, and all of a sudden. We're doing, we've had two back to back scores of our best scores since our uh, grand final year t- 2018. Just- Swizz, before we pass here, oh, yeah, yeah. and also
1: just a reminder the last time that Fremantle had Owen, it was um, obviously Lion coming from <laughs> across <laughs> there. Owen is the making Owen an five. appearance this week. Owen Five, is. yeah, Owen's making an appearance. Swizz.
2: So I suppose Cox is a great pick, guys. Get on him because I don't <laughs> think Justin
1: Longley is teaching at all. <laughs> um.
0: I think the big thing is because everybody goes, oh wow! I'm looking at that pod who's scoring big, and or either the like the big cash gen. Now, if you're wanting cash gen, you, that's where your rookies uh, go for that, or maybe you know, as we said, it's like your of field type. Um, but you're really wanting, you know, as we said, Zeeble. He could be a keeper at 350. We're thinking he'll be a keeper. Uh, so yeah, Warp was a little bit different because it's slightly cheaper, but he was still able to score points and. Yeah, that's the difference between him and Cox, 150K. So, not only is he going to make 150K, yeah, he's going to score around the same amount of points. Uh, maybe a left field pod who is in that um, range that I know no one is talking about is Mason Wood. And now I hate yeah. the, I hate too the price point, and that's the problem. But the three games this year, he's gone, like, including the preseason game, he's gone over 100. He had a ripping end of the season last year. And now that Jack Steele is out, St Kilda have lost their main points player, and that, and I would be, I'd expect Wood to have a increased role over the next what's still out for the next what six weeks or something.
1: I think they said about a month, but yeah, it was it looked like a pretty bad break to be honest. Yeah,
0: that's why I thought it was at least yeah, I thought it was at least around six. But anyway, it's going to be at least a month. So what's, who's
1: next? Is it side bottom because you've gone Cox into Wood? Yeah, well that's Wood, why I just I and jumped then there has to list, be I wasn't going to talk in there about, too.
0: So, I was like I'll leave sidey to Chris and that. That's why I thought. I'd just throw out if if you, for whatever reason you're wanting that kind of pod or you and that player and that I would rather people look at someone like a wood instead of a you know, a, a, a cox or someone like that. Just because we talk about role as king and there is a role there for him in this in this um, you know, period. Just a shame he's not a hundred K cheaper.
1: And I think they missed the um, and Wood. Yeah, and obviously yeah. goes into goes side together. bottom. Yeah, goes into side bottom. Um, <laughs> now I, I have to also quickly note that a lot of these mid prices actually kind of failed, boys. And the fact that we were probably that's why I think a lot of teams are the same because the only ones that stood up are the ones we actually started in Setterfield, Zebal, Warpool is probably that one, and then Callahan maybe borderline, and then Hopper. Outside of that, there hasn't been too many mid prices because you look at you know Fife Bruin, Flanders um horn francis kind of dropped off an absolute cliff fife if i haven't named him already maybe you're so bad i did name him twice you know that's why i think a lot of people are trying to kind of change and navigate to the same players which is probably why they are so important and i think that's probably it for mainly the mid prices outside of like bows watching for next week scored a 108 but that'll be next week's conversation and where we can sort of sort of look and tie him up a little bit more Then dom Sheed is someone worth noting just chipping away with an 89 average also not too bad 88 into an 89 hopper priced, um, break even of 11. So if he continues his run of it, if even if he scores a 72, he gets about 30k in profit. But I imagine he will be a bit of a slower burn um, compared to Way Warpole or any of those other players in that price point.
2: Um, Chris. so just I think we should just go through quickly and just go. I'll just list them, and you guys, I'm sure you'll agree anyway. But. Yeah, just say you say you're
1: three three hots.
2: Uh, I've actually got four. Um, okay, so yep. Jay Z set a set a goat uh, in order. Jay Z set a goat, Warple Hopper is who I'd be looking to trade in. Um, outside of that, these are the guys I would trade out Horn Francis, I would trade out, Callahan, I would trade out, Fife, I would trade out, Flanders, I would trade out, Bruin, I would trade out. Uh, the ones I would keep or look uh, the other one, you know, look dude, uh, you just mentioned Sheed. That's not bad, but 90 average for 332, you could go a lot worse, but there are better options, which is why he's probably not a, a hot trader. Bruce,
0: on, on that, if if you are, for whatever reason, hamstrung or whatever, or looking at Sheed or Mason Wood, do you think Mason Wood for 60K more would average 15
2: points more than Sheed over this period? It's not worth it because... Um, Mason Wood's knock I don't I don't see him as a keeper. He's already four hundred K. So if you're making money from him then he'd have to be at least five hundred K. Um no, I don't I just yeah. don't don't see so
0: it. Just throw that one in there.
2: No, it's I it's think a bad at the end one, of the day if it was three thirty, then if it was three thirty like I I'm, I'm, I'm passing yeah.
0: on Warporn getting wood. That's the yeah. annoying thing about it, because it's just, just, just the way it's worked out. But no.
1: I think at the end of the day, if you own these players already you would just hold most of them unless there's something that absolutely stands out that you have to kind of get. Um, so no, me, no, no, got, no, 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 no,
0: oh. no. If you've got five or and you're trading them out. I agree no, with you. No, no, no. I meant not those players. <laughs> I'm
1: talking about the ones that we listed, not yeah, me, yeah, yeah, the shit okay, heap, yeah, the yeah, shit yeah, heap yeah. that we didn't go into yeah, detail. That's cool. one, for me, more, it's... one more, guys.
2: Sorry, uh, quickly. Will Day. Um, role yeah, change last week. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be holding on Will Day if you have him. I wouldn't be looking, again, Price, I wouldn't be looking to trade him in. I think he's super awkwardly priced, and you'd be, If you can get the 140 k you just go to cost.
0: Sam Mitchell mentioned him on Footy Classified about wanting – he's one of the reasons why they got rid of Mitchell and Amira so they could give Will Day more midfield time. So I thought that was an interesting quote. Now, again, would I be trading him in? Probably not. But if you've got him in there, definitely keep him because that's what I want to hear the coach say.
1: Yeah, but Mackenzie and him did flip last week to this week, so it does. It's yeah, just the fact
0: that he single day out as the re- one of the reasons why yeah. they yeah. got rid of Mitchell.
2: I just need but more he, info he, to be able to trade him out. I don't have all the info, and yeah. he obviously he scored quite well this week. Um, I'll just pull that up. He got a ninety-eight. Yeah, so I'd be holding this week.
0: Yeah, the, and the the one I would I agree with everyone on your list, Chris, except for Horn Francis because I'm Horn Francis now nah, he's playing in South Australia this week. He's going massive. That if he he would be the perfect player if he could be traded from Adelaide to Port Adelaide every week, because if he doesn't leave <laughs> South Australia, he would average 130. Just the problem is he's got to go play in Victoria.
1: Um, I agree in some areas, boys. Victoria, um, no ice bars down; that's too cold. Yeah. Now, for me, I'm going field one, Ball two, walpole three, and then the splattering after that. As far as yeah, where I rank them, I don't think that as important now. For me, I'm, I'm on the opinion of if you've just brought in Callahan, then I think you're kind of forced to sit and wait on it because otherwise you're just burning two trades in and out to then make zero money. So I think if you've brought in him or if you've brought in a Horde Francis, I think, hey, you kind of actually now have to sit on them for a bit. If you started Horde Francis, then, again, you have that luxury. Like if you started Callahan, yeah. I feel like you have that luxury. If you've just brought them in last week, then guess what? You kind of have to force yourself to sit that one out and let it ride a little bit longer. Otherwise, you won't make any money, and then you have zero trade, zero money, and you're just hopping for the, to the next best thing, and ain't nobody likes that. So, Horn Francis, the key appeal I do see, though, is that after they have Adelaide-Sydney Dogs, it does open up for them Where with Port Adelaide if they do get on a run and they play like they do against Brisbane and not how they got towed up against Collingwood. Now, I don't like Collingwood, but tailing up Port Adelaide was pretty impressive for a team they don't really like. So, they do play West Coast, Saints, Essendon, North, in a string of games there, where someone like Horn Francis could absolutely dominate a string of about four games, so I think there is still potential there for him to get a price spike with a couple of really big games against a couple of bunnies, and uh, I think there's definitely something to be had there. So that's it for me. I think the key key get rid ofs for me: five Bruin Flanders. I think are the three biggest shit heaps on the pile and get rid of them. Swiss.
0: Uh yeah, I think I'll still say J C number one. Setterfield, it's just a shame he plays later games in the round because I think he could have been a nice little VC option with some of the matchups that they've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, so he's he's number two. Uh I'm gonna if Hopper gets up, I've got him ahead of Warpole. If he doesn't, then it's Warpole Hopper. And then yeah, it's
2: daylight. Fair enough. That's uh All right. wraps us up, right? That yeah. wraps
1: us up for rookies and mid prices, those couple of segments. Um there will probably be some, I guess, game analysis or, or premiums, et cetera, in some capacity, whether that's a, us breaking down Ridley and Dacos and Cameron and who you should get and why. And I think the big issue people are having is they can't just decide which one to get in. And um, the other option is obviously listening to our team by team analysis series as well. Chris has already done his. I've still got to do mine. I'll probably do mine with the teams tomorrow swiz when are you doing your team? yeah i put out the
0: apology if i wasn't dealing with Ticketmaster yet last night i was going to do it then but i will do it
1: tomorrow tomorrow as well look at us twinning up as well anyway that's it from us check out all segments like comments and do keep us involved we love 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 the interaction especially from afar at the mcg swiz is that what you were saying earlier love me from afar yeah. with photos oh how, how you know what so pumped
0: up about the MCG game this week, and then now Richmond's got half their team out, so Collingwood's probably going to get up on on us. Twenty five goals
2: we're putting on them, and that was,
0: that was going to be it, yeah, it was going to be a Richmond win, and that. But now you kind of got to get in the Collingwood players DC and Dacos, because we're we're playing our seconds. So,
1: and Swiss is trying to get out of the state to avoid the <laughs> oh, yeah. carnage, I believe. Potentially, oh. potentially. Um, look, that's it from no, us. Stay true. tuned, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye bye bye.